0: This morning, I'm talking about Israel, one of my favorite subjects. Uh, My title is, Israel, what's the big deal? And just so you know, it's a very big deal. Um, Growing up, my dad would say something often. You know, your parents repeat things. Um, I'm noticing now my older kids are now repeating things I said, and they're kind of catching themselves. So it gets in there. (laughs) But my dad um, would always say, Kara, you need to learn to love what God loves, hate what God hates. And when you do that, you position yourself for blessing every time. Yeah. And learning, okay, God, what do you love and what do you hate? And just so you know, God is love, but he does hate things. He hates evil, he hates the enemy, he hates when people come against his children. There's things he will not stand for. But loving what God loves. And there's a lot of things that God loves. And we know what he loves by reading his word. And God loves Israel. There's some non-negotiables with God. I don't know if you know that, but there's things we don't mess with. And Israel is one of them. We don't mess with Israel. And people and the enemy don't mess with his children. When the enemy comes against you and I, that's a non-negotiable. It's like coming against God directly. And you know, the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. And that is the only thing he can do is lie and attack us. And when we come against Israel and the enemies come against Israel, it's like coming against God directly directly. There's a lot of non-negotiables, but we're just gonna talk about Israel today. So, why is Israel so important? We're gonna have a little bit of a history class today. If you like history, you're gonna love it. If you don't, you know what? It's your history you should know. History is so important. And we're gonna, we're gonna also talk about, I'm gonna also talk about things to come, the prophetic. So, four things. Four things about Israel and why it's a big deal. Number one, Israel is the only nation established by God. Did you know that? I I didn't say that it's the only nation blessed by God, but it's the only nation established by God. God said, Israel is my people and Israel is my land. It's two things. It's a people and it's a land and God really cares about territory. That's a big deal to God. And so it's not just a people, it's a land. Turn with me to Genesis 2. Ben and I love Israel, and as a church, we love Israel and we stand with Israel. That doesn't mean we have to agree with everything or we have to understand. We just stand with Israel because God's standing with Israel. And I want to stand with God and his people and his promises. Yeah. Genesis 2, starting with v- verse um, 1. So the heavens and earth were completed. Oh, wait. No, that's not the right scripture. I think I wrote it down no, Let me look. Genesis 12. I'm sorry, Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Are you with me, 12? Genesis 12, 1. Go away from your country, from your relatives, and from your father's house, to a land which I'll show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you abundantly, and I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. A source of great good for others. And I will bless those who bless you, and I'll curse those who curse you. And all the families of the earth will be blessed because of you. Okay, then go with me. That's Old Testament. Go with me to Hebrews in the New Testament. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verse eight. By faith, Abraham, who was called by God, obeyed by going to a place in which he would receive an inheritance. And he went not knowing where he was going. Has God ever called you to do something that you don't quite know? (laughs) I think he loves to do that, it's called faith. By faith, he lived as a foreigner in a promised land, in a strange land, living in tents as nomads with Isaac and Jacob, their fellow, uh, fellow heirs in the same promise. For he was waiting, looking forward to a city which has foundations, an eternal heavenly city whose architect and builder is God. It's the only nation established by God. Number one, why is Israel so important? Because God established the nation. Number two, Israel. What's the big deal? God made an everlasting covenant with Israel. You know, we serve a God of covenant, He loves covenant, and He will never break covenant with me and you. He's faithful. Even when we're faithless, He's faithful. He is so faithful to us. He's a covenant God and he honors covenant and he's made a covenant promise with Israel and he will never break his promise. There's not one prophetic word that will not be fulfilled over us that is written in the word or over Israel. And so Israel still has prophetic words in the Bible that have not been fulfilled yet. Many have been fulfilled. And I'm going to talk about some of those today. And there's still promises over God's chosen people. Now, yes, we're God's chosen people too by faith in Jesus Christ. And we've been grafted in. But there's promises over Israel that has not been fulfilled yet. Okay, so go back to Genesis. We were just in Hebrews. Go back to Genesis chapter 19. I'm sorry, chapter 17, verses 5 and 8, 5 through 8. Genesis 17, 5 through 8. And the Lord says, No longer will your name be Abram, but your name will be Abraham, and I'll make you a father of many nations. I'll make you exceedingly fruitful and make nations out of you, and kings will come to you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. And, and it goes on to more of the prophetic promise over um, Abraham and his future descendants. Okay, then turn with me to 2 Chronicles seven twelve through 16. Second Chronicles chapter seven, everybody doing okay? And it said, the Lord appeared to Solomon. Now remember, uh, King David uh, became the king after God's own heart and God established and King David wanted to build the temple, right? And the Lord said, actually, I'm going to have your son build the temple. So this is the temple that was made uh, for the Lord because remember they traveled in tents in the wilderness. And they got into the promised land. And now they're building the temple. And the temple is done. And um, Solomon goes before the Lord. And this is a promise that um, the Lord makes over Israel. Verse 12, it says, um, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. I will shut up the heavens so no rain falls, or if I command locusts to devour the land, I send pestilence and plagues among my people. And my people who are called by my name, if they will humble themselves and pray and seek me and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin in this land. And now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified and set apart for my purposes this house that my name may be here forever. And my eyes and heart will be here perpetually. Has anybody been to Israel? I hear that the presence in Israel is like none other. And and obviously we carry Jesus. We have his presence but there is something about the manifested presence in his land. It's his land, it's his nation. And right here he said, forever I have chosen this place to be my place. So it's a covenant that he's made. And so it's an everlasting covenant, and um, it's a place that actually Jesus will rule and reign one day. Did you know that? And it's not just a people, it's the land. It's very important to him. Um, okay, turn with me to Romans 11. I'm going back to Old and New Testament because people like to say, oh, that's Old Testament. In the New Testament, everything's changed. Romans 11, verse 1. And it says, I say then has God rejected and disowned his own people, the Jews. Certainly not. For I, too, am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his chosen people, for He for, those he foreknew. Okay, jump down. Actually, the whole chapter of 11 is amazing, but jump down to 11, verse 11 and 12. So I say, have they, and we're still talking about the Jewish people, stumbled so far, far um, to run into ruin? Certainly not. But by their transgression, which is rejecting the Messiah, you know, most Jewish people are still waiting for the Messiah, for Jesus to come. There's a remnant that are born again, but they're waiting for their Messiah. And it says, um, rejected the Messiah, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Why? It says to make Israel jealous, when they realize what they forfeited. For if Israel's transgression means riches for the world, at their failure means riches for the Gentile, how much more will their fulfillment and reinstatement be a blessing to us? That means with their blindness and rejecting Jesus became a gift to the world, How much more when their eyes are open and there's prophetic words, Israel will be saved. How much more when the entire family comes together. This is like, do you have any people in your family who are not saved? This is when the whole family comes together. Can you imagine when your lost um, family members come in, what a celebration that's going to be. Can you imagine the blessing on that? when the fulfillment of all the prophetic words come in, we're only in between. There's um, my sister. Um, she had three full-term babies that she lost. She gave birth and lost to them. It was such a tragedy that my family went through. And my sister loves so well. I've never seen somebody... Not be offended with God in love. In the midst of her babies dying, she's making pies and cakes for the nurses taking care of her and her babies. I, I, she, I look up, and she's my baby sister. But she got a shirt and it says, my story's not over yet. And now she's adopted four amazing babies. And it's like, they're ours. Nobody could say they're not ours. It's just... Her redemption story. And I say the story's not over yet. The Jewish people will be saved. And we're coming together in the promises of God. The story, we're in the middle of the story right now. But things are getting exciting. (laughs) Things are stirring up. We are in the last days. And I know, they are like, yeah, I've been hearing that since I'm a child. But it's true. It's true. We are in the last days. Days. We're actually at the end of the last days, if that makes sense. Okay, we're still in Romans 11, but go to verse uh, 24. I want to finish with this here. I had a Bible for 20 years, and I just got a new Bible. And nothing's really highlighted, and all the pages are sticking together, and I don't recognize this Bible. Okay. For if you were cut off, um, do want to, yeah. If, for if you were cut off from what by nature's olive tree, and against nature grafted in, cultivated into the olive tree, how much uh, will it be to graft these who are the natural branches? And so Paul's talking about olive tree, and Jesus is the root, right? And it was the Jewish people, but they rejected. Jesus, and so we the Gentiles have been grafted in. So it's talking about these. And he's saying, if you were grafted in, which you're not even an olive tree, it's like you were a branch of another tree grafted in, how much more can God re graft in olive tree branches? Okay? In verse 24, is I don't want you believers to be unaware of this mystery. We are God's children. He wants us to know what's going on. We should be in the know. And it says, God's previous plan, so you will not be wise in your own opinion and partially hardening your heart towards Israel until the full number of Gentiles have come in so that all of Israel... All Jews with personal faith will be saved just as it's been written. The deliverer, the Messiah, will come from Zion, and he will remove the ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them, and I will take away their sins. I'm going to go to verse. Oh, yeah. From this standpoint of the gospel, the Jews are enemies of God for your sake. But the standpoint of God's choice, they are still loved by him. He made covenant. They're his people. For the sake of their fathers. For the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. He does not change his mind. He gives grace to whom he sends and calls. Just as you were disobedient and fallen to listen to God. But now obtain mercy because of their disobedience. So they too have become disobedient. So they are So they too may receive mercy because of the mercy shown to you. For God has imprisoned all disobedience. They may show mercy. Oh, the depths and riches and wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and decisions and how unfathomable. Okay, what is God saying? I kind of read a lot here, but he said, I want you to know this mystery. Don't harden your heart and don't think you know it all. That's my translation. Don't become prideful. Don't think you know it all. You need to listen. They have rejected the Messiah, and because of that, God has grafted us in, and we receive mercy. I'm so thankful for my salvation. From time to time, I like to think back what I was like before Jesus, and, and I always grew up in the church, but I wasn't walking with the Lord. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And I, And he showed me so much mercy. I'm telling you, on my worst day, when I felt like the worst sinner, was actually the time I felt God the most. He's so merciful to us. And he's merciful to Israel. Yeah, they don't get it. Have they made a lot of mistakes? You read the Bible and you're like, come on. But it's so easy to judge when you're not there, right? Like in the wilderness, come on. He just did all these miracles. How come you're not serving the Lord? But we can say that about all of us, right? He's so merciful. And it said, don't be prideful and don't be like the world. I'm going to tell you this mystery. They are going to be saved. And he goes on to say, they will be saved. All of the Jewish people, God is going to save them and bring them in. And it's just amazing. And then it ends with, don't question God and his wisdom and knowledge. Like, we know nothing compared to him. He has a great plan, and we just need to side with him, even if it doesn't make sense. Because if it doesn't make sense, it's because we're clueless. He's not. He knows what's best for us, and he knows what he's doing. Okay, so Israel has not been replaced by the church. Israel has not been, I mean, the church has not been replaced by Israel. Did I say that right? Yes, Israel, I said that right, Israel has not been replaced by the church. This is very important for us to know because this is a false doctrine. Like God's done away with Israel, that was Old Testament, and now it's all about us. No, it's about us, but it's about Israel too. It's a big deal to God. Okay. Okay. So, there's promises waiting, Israel and us. Okay, number three. So, number one, it's the only nation established by God, if you're taking notes, number one. Number two, God made an everlasting covenant with Israel, and he will never break his promise. Three, what's the big deal about Israel? Israel has been the biggest blessing to the world. Jewish people gave us the greatest man. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who is Jewish and his mama is Jewish, so you don't mess with somebody's mama. <laughs> his people is Jewish. He's Jewish. The Jewish people wrote the most important book, the Bible. 100 percent written by Jewish people. Living, Breathing Word of God, written by obedient Jewish men. What a gift to the world. Jewish people, because they obeyed God and waited for the promise of the Holy Spirit, the most powerful, earthly, godly institution was birthed, the church, because of Jewish people. They've given us so many blessings. Okay, the fourth one. And I'm, I'm going to land here and stay here the longest. Um, because this is like one of the most important ones to me. Number four, Israel, what's the big deal? Israel is God's super sign for the end times. If we want to know what God's doing, we have to look to Israel and what God's doing with Israel. End times, the last days will revolve around Israel. This is why the enemy hates the Jewish people. He hates the Jewish people. He hates Israel because there are so many amazing prophetic words to come in the land and with the people. And I just want to let you know, we will be there too with Jesus ruling and reigning. And I don't want to go into a lot of eschatology, but I promise you it's going to be so good. But Jesus will rule and reign from Israel. And um, there's so much growing anti-Semitism because the enemy hates what God's going to do. The enemy right now, he's the prince of this world. But Jesus is going to come on scene for the second coming. And he will do whatever he can to wipe out God's people and get rid of the land. So Jesus can't do that. Like he even has a fighting chance. He's like already defeated. But he's trying hard. Okay. So what's so amazing about Israel, it's such a supernatural land. There's never been a nation that has disappeared and come back reestablished on scene. ever. If nations have been lost in history, they're gone. Israel not only was reestablished once, but twice, twice it disappeared and God had to clean up their mess and bring them back twice. Okay. So, um, all of, um, there's so many prophetic promises about Israel being reestablished and those have all been fulfilled, but there's so many more promises about Israel, about Israel being reestablished too. I'm going to go over that. Did you guys know that 30% of the Bible is prophetic? 30% is prophetic words. And most of the prophetic words are for in the time we're living right now, the end times. Most of them started after Jesus came and went back to heaven and, well, he's making mansions for you and I, getting ready for us. There's a lot of history, but there's the epistles, but 30% is prophetic. Why? Because God wants us to know what's going on. He doesn't want us to be clueless like the world, but we're his children. He has a plan, and we're in on the plan, and he tells us. So when things happen, we're not scared or worried or confused. We're sound mind. We have love. We know what God is doing. We know his plan, and that's powerful. And we help people who are scared and tell them, no, this is what God's doing, and God has a plan. Okay, so the very first time that Israel disappeared was when the Babylonians came in. Remember King Nebuchadnezzar? This is in 2 Kings. They took all of the people as captivity over to Babylon. And this is when Daniel was um, helping rule. And God gave so many prophetic words to Daniel about Israel being reestablished the first time and him be, Israel being reestablished the second time. He got different prophetic words for two different times that a nation would be reestablished. It's fascinating. So the land uh, laid desolate, Israel lay desolate for 70 years. And God told Daniel it would be 70 years. To the day Israel came back to land, to the day. King Cyrus came onto scene 70 years later, King Cyrus of Persia, came in, and God stirred his heart. Now, a pagan king did not know God. God stirred his heart for Israel and helped Israel go get their land again. This is amazing. God can use secular people to do his business. (laughs) I love that. And so um, why did Israel have to be reunited as a nation as a people and a land? Because Jesus was coming. His first coming. Jesus was coming as a sacrificial lamb and the prophetic word said in Israel, right? He would be born in Bethlehem. That means it had to be there, and God was gonna use a Jewish woman. So the Jewish people had to be there. Mary, all of these prophetic words had to be fulfilled. So the nation had to come back. And this is Ezra and Nehemiah in, in the Bible. You'll read them rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the city so that Jesus could come. Jesus came the first time in Israel, and his second coming is in Israel. Is Israel important? Yes. Yes, it's very important. Okay. Um, Then the second time, this is 2,000 years later, after King Cyrus and after Jesus came, it was the Romans, right? And um, Emperor Titus came and annihilated the Jewish people. And this is when the people dispersed over all the nations. And after that, after time came, it was uh, World War I, World War II, it was the Holocaust. And uh, the Jewish people were scattered. Six million Jews were horrifically murdered. And um, Roosevelt was our president at this time. And Roosevelt's like, no, I don't recognize the Jews. No, they're not a big deal. And um, Roosevelt suddenly died of a brain aneurysm. And Truman was the vice president. And Truman became president. And 2,000 years later, Truman stood up to the United Nations and said, No, Israel is their land. Israel is a people. And in one day, a nation was born. And in Isaiah 66, 3, no, sixty-six, eight. It says, "Well, you know, I'm going to read it. It's so powerful." Turn with me to Isaiah sixty-six. There are so many prophetic words about this prophesied years before it happened. Sixty-six, eight. It said, "It says, who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Can a land be born in a day?" Or can a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yes, May 14th, 1948. In one day. As soon as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her sons. Shall I bring a moment of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord? Or shall I who gives delivery shut the womb, says the Lord? It says rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all who love her. Okay, Joel 2. 1 through 2, Revelation 16, 16, Daniel 2, 44, all prophesies about this time and about Israel being established. Why did Israel have to become a nation again? Because Jesus is coming back. It had to be a nation. And the time clock for end time started on May 14, 1948. The people were brought back. The land was brought back. And, and um, Joel... Uh, three one through two it talks about they're trying to divide my land and many people many nations are going to come against my people and you know what the Lord says I'm going to do battle with them there what are they trying to do they're trying to divide the land you know Israel is so small it's like there are nothing people like really if you think like they're such a small people and man they have wreaked havoc on earth because of the hatred of enemy you know the hatred of the enemy over them you're thinking just leave them alone it's just their land like who goes and takes over their land it's nothing but it's because it's God and because it's prophetic and because it's holy do you know it's called the holy land because it's holy and the enemy wants to take territory he doesn't want God to have anything and he doesn't want us to have anything Okay, so um, the Bible in Matthew 24 and and other places, it talks about how um, in one generation the Lord will come back. And I don't know what a generation is, but in Psalms it says 70 or 80 years. So if it was 1948, 70 or 80 years, potentially the Lord could come back in the next 20 years. Now, we don't know. Nobody knows any day or hour, but I do think we know seasons, right? And I'm telling you, we're getting close to the Lord coming back. And that should do nothing but excite us. I mean, there's some days where I'm like, oh, Lord, if He came back today, it'd be great. So, great. But we have a lot of work to do. I have a lot of people that need to get saved, and I believe we're going to see the biggest revival And the most people come into the kingdom. God is not going to come. Yes, amen. We need people saved. And that means we have to get busy. (laughs) It's not time for sleep. It's not time to be ignorant. It's not time for compromise. We got to wake up and hear our Father's voice and do what he's called us to do. You know, each one of us is different. It's not like this list. It's like we're all called to make disciples. And that's just the people in your life and it's natural but we are called to be the light of the earth Israel is God's land Israel is God's people he will never break his promise and his word